0: Hello and welcome to Coffee House Shots. I'm James Heal and I'm joined today by Katie Bulls and Kate Andrews. Two big pieces of news today. Let's start with probably the most headline grabbing one, which is that the Supreme Court has ruled unlawful the government's flagship Rwanda scheme. Uh, Katie, do you want to take us through this decision?
1: Yes, this is not the news that the government has wanted, but it's also, I think, the news that they have been trying to temper expectations with over the past week or so, with various briefings um, suggesting that they do not think the Supreme Court verdict was necessarily going to go in their direction. Of course, the dream scenario for Rishi Sunak would have been that the ruling was that the scheme is lawful and things could have got moving. There have potentially been problems with logistics, but we are far from that. Instead, the Supreme Court has said this morning that the Rwanda scheme is unlawful. This comes, of course, after the Court of Appeal found that it was unlawful. That's why I went to the Supreme Court. Now, in the Court of Appeal, it was a split verdict. The Supreme Court has found it's a universal verdict. And it was looking at it as a whole when it comes to the scheme. And it comes to the same problem that the Court of Appeal had, which is effectively that they do not think that there is enough to convince them that Rwanda is a safe country to use. The idea being that they believe asylum seekers sent to Rwanda could be at a real risk of refoulement being sent to their home nations and therefore they cannot deem Rwanda as a safe country. So the judges are unanimously of the view that the Court of Appeals right to have previously declared that the deal is unlawful. In terms of the political reaction so far, you've had Rishi Sunak put out a statement in which he has said that is not the outcome he wanted but number 10 are pointing to the fact that the supreme court like the courts before confirmed the principle of sending illegal migrants to a safe third country for processing is lawful so that suggests if Rwanda were to uh, give enough assurances though at the moment, that seems quite hard, given there's lots of work there, all willing to find a different third country to send to. The concept of this scheme could still be something which is a goer, it's just in its current form not. And the statement we've just had from the Home Secretary, the new Home Secretary, James Cleverly, which... I think it's interesting for its emphasis because it says our partnership with Rwanda, while bold and ambitious, is just one part of a vehicle of measures to stop the boats and tackle illegal migration. Um, But clearly there is an appetite for this concept. Across Europe, illegal migration is increasing and governments are following our lead. Italy, Germany and Austria are all exploring models similar to our partnership with Rwanda. We will carefully review today's judgment to understand implications and next steps and we will continue to look at every possible avenue to disrupt the vile criminal gang's business model of putting innocent lives at risk for their own financial selfish gain. Now, I think the two things to draw from that is the emphasis on how it's just one part of the package, which I think does point to how government lawyers are still going over the exact intricacies of the ruling. But it's not perhaps a complete game over, but it is a big setback. And then also to the fact that it is the case that other countries, you know, the UK is not alone in suffering from this problem. And countries across Europe keep looking at third countries and so forth. So, you know,
2: trying to say the UK is not an outlier.
0: Kate, what's your reaction to the verdict?
2: So I think it's very interesting that um, the Supreme Court has upheld what previous courts said, as Katie noted, that the principle of deporting undocumented migrants is one that they accept. It's a question of safety, a question of the country. And it's difficult off the top of my head to think of other countries that are essentially going to meet the, the standards that a court would want to see, that are also going to be delighted to take in hundreds, thousands tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of migrants from the UK. I think this is a real setback for the government. I have to say, it's so interesting to me that Lord Reed, the president of the Supreme Court, has emphasized the extent to which they are worried about genuine asylum seekers being sent back to their home countries because there has been pressure on the government whilst pursuing this Rwanda scheme to create safe and legal pathways for people who are genuine refugees to come to the UK. Because unless you are from a handful of countries, including Ukraine, uh, there is no legal way to come to the UK. You have to show up here to claim asylum. And the government has been Let's say rather flippant towards those suggestions. The attitude is always, that will come, that will come later. We just want to get the Rwanda scheme off the ground. And one has to wonder if perhaps they had pursued policies like that, if they had taken into account the fact that their Rwanda policy includes sending off genuine refugees who have been through absolute hell, things we cannot imagine, deporting them, saying you can't ever come back to the UK. If they had accounted for that, been a bit more nuanced, changed the policy, perhaps they could be looking at a different verdict today. I think regardless of what you think of this scheme, it's quite hard to have sympathy for a government that just wrote off that very serious issue as if it was something that it could handle down the line. I think this is politically very problematic for the government. And we're going to talk about some good news on the five pledges in a little bit. But but one of its five pledges was also to stop the boats. And it was very clear from the start of the year, at every point in the year, that by the end of the year, Rishi Sunak and his ministers were not going to have actually stopped the boats. That came to actually be defined by just getting a plane off the ground, by getting a plane full of, of undocumented migrants to Rwanda successfully. That became the new definition of stopping the boats. That's now not going to happen, certainly not by the end of this year, if ever. So that pledge is essentially ruined in terms of the timeline that Rishi Sunak laid out, and he's going to have to justify that to the the voters, to which he said judge me on my pledges by the time we get to December.
1: I think the other thing that's interesting when it comes to the ruling is the fact that the judge made a specific point of saying this isn't all about the ECHR and therefore pointing the fact this is about international law conventions and trying also to depoliticize it, saying, you know, we're not talking about specific parts of government policy and so forth. But by, I think, saying, you know, ECHR alone, you know, wouldn't solve this it's saying there's not a silver bullet to this problem and i think of course that's interesting when you think about um some of the tory debates and general debates i think that will follow this now sierra braverman in her letter yesterday she accused the prime minister of failing in a few different ways of failing to have a proper plan b I would suspect we're going to hear more now about what that plan B should have been. And it's not all about the ECHR. Serena Brahman is looking at lots of legal methods here. But the right of the party and those around Serena Brabham and her own views is about, you know, taking the UK out of the ECHR. And I think that Tory debate is something that is going to rage after this. But that verdict makes it a bit more complicated. You can't say that this is your off-the-shelf solution, even if you think it's something you need to do when it comes to generally taking back control of UK laws and so forth.
2: And this is a real problem for the advocates of the scheme because it would have been ideal for them to be able to say, well, the problem is the ECHR. But actually the ruling suggests that non-refoulement is an absolute staple of countless international treaties that the UK has signed up to. If the UK wants to address every single one and start making changes, best of luck to to ministers to do that. And who knows, maybe they will, but it is not so simple as, as one body stopping this from happening.
0: Yeah. And of course, time's the key issue here, right? We're sort of 15 months at out from an election. You're not going to be able to get this done. Let's talk about some good news for the government, which, Kate, is about the falling rate of inflation. Beginning of this year, Rishi Sunak said he would halve the rate of inflation, or he would take credit for that, perhaps. It's now fallen again, and obviously it's not the 2% target the Bank of England would like, but it is good news for the government. First of those five pledges to be met, tell us more.
2: This is good news for the government. The Office for National Statistics reports this morning that the rate of inflation has plummeted uh, in the in, in the year leading up to October. We now have a headline rate of 4.6% on the year compared to 6.7% on the year in September. This means that Rishi Sunak and Jeremy Hunt have met their target of having inflation. I like the way you worded that question, James, because you know whether or not they did this or are taking credit for it are two very different questions. Now, I think... It, The chancellor has always thought that the government does have a role to play here, but it's really one of fiscal prudence rather than taking direct action, that holding back spending, not giving into demands for subsidies like there were, say, around mortgages when we had mortgage spikes in the middle of the year, being nuanced with pay rises for the public sector, including the NHS. I think the chancellor sees all of that as efforts to tackle inflation. But, of course, the main tool to do so sits with the Bank of England. And politicians just have to sit there and watch as the Monetary Policy Committee decides whether or not to pull it. And it was those 14 consecutive rate rises that have really contributed to this. I would say, in many cases, the bank went too slow. And it's why the UK, unfortunately, does continue to be an outlier compared to countries like the US and the Eurozone. Our inflation is still higher. And one can argue, is having inflation good enough? I mean, people are still getting poorer. Prices are still going up substantially. But Rishi Sunak, again, at the start of the year, said, judge me on this. Inflation is the number one priority, even though the headlines today are obviously going to be about Rwanda on what he said his number one priority is. He does have some very good news to boast.
1: Yes, I think you, it's safe to say, I mean, it's only at the time of recording 11.35, but I think Rishi Sunak had at least a good two hours this morning. 90 minutes, maybe. Yeah, yeah. maybe 90 <laughs> minutes. Um, And, you know, I I had some government aides saying, you know, I'm really going to enjoy this two hours because it's about to go to, (laughs) I'm not going to say a swear word. And now I think boats will dominate and therefore the inflation news is good news for Rishi Sunak. But I think politically boats is going to dominate and we're going to have a press conference later this afternoon from the prime minister where he'll be under pressure to say how he's going to do something. Because if he doesn't have a plan, it's quite clear that people like Sue al are happy to make a plan for him.
0: Mm. Very true, Katie. Well, thank you, Kate. Thank you, Katie. And thank you very much for listening to Coffee Hour Shots.